welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators Amena Region podcast. I'm Monique Sidnick. Over the past week, I've had at least two to three people ask me about podcasting, how to do it, when it makes sense and how to get started. So I thought I'd share a recent webinar that I participated in on podcasting for corporate communications. It was hosted by Anna Ardi from Quadriga University for the Communications Congress Academy and Regina Corner, CEO of Professional Podcasting and I were panelists. And we had a great time chatting about everything from podcasting as a channel to some of the technical details such as platform types and mics and things like that. Anyway, we had a really great time and I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as well. So hello everyone, um, here's Anna Adi from Quadriga University of Applied Sciences. We're joined today by Regina Kuana and Monique Zitnik. Um, we'll go through introductions in a moment. What we want to do today is talk about podcasting. And uh, we want to talk with professionals, with people who've done this for uh, a business, who've done this out of passion, who've done it out of both. But most importantly, this is a conversation. So we really, really need you to come up with your questions, to use the chat and let us know what is it that you would want to find out about podcasting in a corporate communications or business environment so that we can try among the three of us and answer your questions. So let's start with just a few introductions on my side. Regina Kuana is the CEO of professionalpodcasts.com. It's a company that produces podcasts. So she's our professional on, on call for today in the world of podcasting. Regina has a, a wealth of experience in the world of corporate comms and communications consultancy. So being a CEO of her own company in support of communicators is definitely something that she can tell us a little more about. Mm -hmm. Monique uh, Zitney currently works with Open Communications. She, just yesterday, she got an incredibly fancy title that she needs to tell us all about because I'm sorry, I'm still confused, Monique. It says Global SME Communications. More than that, I got lost. The reason why we talk with Monique today is because she has experience outside Germany with producing podcasts and distributing podcasts and making them very, very popular. And she's affiliated with the IABC. So if you haven't heard of the International Association of Business Communicators, then most definitely you need to check them out. Out of the professional associations out there activating, particularly outside of Germany, they're definitely worth your while and your time and the, and the resources as well. And Monique comes originally from Australia. She's kind of landed in Germany right before the pandemic, just so that we locked her down here and make sure she doesn't leave. And she's made great use of her time here, but she's, as I said, producing a podcast on her own. She has multiple of other experiences around this, which is one of the reasons why she's here. I'm moderating. I have the great honor to moderate the session because thanks to Regina, I have a podcast as well. Can I say that? I have a podcast. <laughs> I moderate a podcast. Yes, um, so an, an academic with a podcast is something unusual. I still find that. Uh, Women in PR is something that we have produced, co-produced with, with Regina. It's something that I host. It's in its second year and second series. And there we explore a little bit role models and women, but also research around women and feminization and public relations. So that's the reason why we're here today. And so do check uh, them out. 
I'm going to start with a question, and that is, how did you start with podcasting? I think each and one of you have quite a fancy story to tell us, quite uh, interesting into how you ended up or returned to the world of sound. Monique, would you want to go first? <laughs> so I, a long time ago in Australia, worked at SBS Radio, which is Australia's multicultural, multilingual broadcaster, but I was in marketing and I got to work with so many journalists, broadcast producers and the like, and was always fascinated. I, I looked after the live broadcast and so I got to know a little about technology, but never really used it particularly much in my actual work aside from sort of the audio related to video because audio is not a huge channel that we use in internal communications. I'm an internal communication specialist. Last year, I became a part of the IABC Amina Region Board and took on their podcasting because it was something I've always been fascinated with. From there, almost taught myself how to podcast with a little bit of help on the side. So I really look forward to sharing my journey tips and tricks with you today. Regina, how did you get into podcasting? So much so that it's a business idea. <laughs> well, actually, I come from a deep background of broadcasting. I went to school in the United States and got a master's in broadcast uh, broadcasting. And um, I worked in Washington and Bonn as a correspondent. And I worked for many years in German TV, primarily um, Voice of Germany or RTL. And then I, uh, you know, went over to the dark side. I decided to do PR. I became a, a head of communications for some NGOs such as Fairtrade International or the Burlesman Foundation. And then I switched over to the even darker side, going to consultancies such as AT Carney. And my last role there was at uh, Roland Berger, which is a big German consultancy as a head of global marketing and communications. And then I thought, okay, I want to do something else. And I got offered a job as a CEO of a, of a, a podcast or audiobook publishing house, really, uh, to be the CEO in Germany. And they had different ideas about business development than I. So I said, oh, what the hell, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and uh, so I became, you know, I found my own company. And what I'm doing now is primarily do podcasts for media houses like Handelsblatt, which is a big German publication, biggest daily really for economics news. And I do still work for consultancies such as uh, Boston Consulting Group, and some banks, and I'm just doing basically internal and external communications podcasts, like CEO positioning, but also I do one big known podcast, which is with the editor-in-chief of Handelsblatt, which is a weekly on disruption. So my focus is really on economics and disruption and transformation. So what I'll try to do is get people to have their, get their message across with this new and exciting medium that we have here. Allow me to ask Regina and Monique, of why do you think podcasting is good for, for comms? And Monique, you already mentioned internal comms. Regina, you mentioned CEO positioning. You've mentioned internal and external comms. So why is podcasting a good idea? Well, actually, you know, let me start off with the big American sharks. They are all buying up podcasting companies. Apple is buying, you know, everybody. Whoops. Oh, my light is tumbling down still here as long um, as there's no water that's okay <laughs> no but the really important thing is everybody mm. is expanding in podcast 
the Americans are best investing uh, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into that business. And the reason is really quite simple. The podcast technology has advanced from a cumbersome, nobody really knows what an RSS feed is and what to do with it. It's now pre-installed on, on any smartphone. There are dozens of companies in any language. I mean, the podcast amount, the sheer amount is quadrupling uh, every year, more or less. And mm -hmm. um, it has turned out that, you know, it's a very cheap in comparison to videos and other stuff. It's totally independent of a workplace, meaning you don't have to sit at your computer to look at it. So you can just listen to it anytime, any place, stop, start, wherever you want to be. And it's also very easy to listen to in any part of the world. So you're not dependent on high-speed internet or anything like that. I mean, I think you can you can listen to it definitely on, on second-generation uh, phone systems. That means you can uh, listen to podcasts easily 98% of the world without any trouble. So whether it's you in a desert, in Asia, anywhere, you can listen to it. And so comparatively speaking, it's much, much more effective than other forms where you just have to take your eyes and your seat or your desk or whatever to listen to consume it. So you're saying that for the the listener is actually a less resource intensive medium. Yes, definitely. Uh, because because for the communicator on the other side, it's uh, you know one one extra format competing with everything else that the BZBs of communication departments need to do. Uh, Monique, what, what do you think? Why is this good for PR? It is another channel, but one that is incredibly underutilized. And as Regina said, it's perfect for people on the go and you can access podcasts on demand. So again, it's brilliant for listeners. There are a couple of other really beautiful things about the channel as well that differentiates it from perhaps other channels. Once you've got your podcast all set up and someone's got a podcast catcher, it's on their phone. And every time you release a new podcast, it's there. You're instantly pushing to their phone. They don't need to actually go and look for it, such as uh, a YouTube, unless you actually subscribe to the YouTube as well. It is also beautiful for getting people's thoughts and ideas across, which is really important with communication and PR, obviously. But you get that personality. You really get to feel who the person is uh, it's not just about the visual, you can listen and absorb them in a different way to what you might do with a video. I think a lot of podcasts also seem to be more authentic. So uh, you get some hyper-produced podcasts, but there's also, again, that sense of, of being with the person, having a conversation with them and really getting to know them a little bit as, as the subject matter experts. I completely agree with you. It's such a great channel. So from, from the people who have joined us, we have a Christina and a Christiane, uh, both whom do not have a podcast yet, they say, but they're working on a concept. On the other hand, Cornelia has already shared her podcast from IFO, it's, um, it, which is called Podcast für Wirtschaft für alle. Uh, and we're also having Klaus, who says that they've got two podcasts, um, one with a focus on internal comms and one for CEO mm. communication. There's also a question coming uh, for, for you, if you can provide data on the increasing demand for, for podcasts. Where do we get the data about podcasting? 
you believe <laughs> that's not going to work for everybody who has, you know, a measurement focused uh, and data driven insight approach to comms. Well, actually, the, the problem really is that unless you host your own podcast and you or you're using a host like Podigy, something to upload your stuff, you don't know. You know, you, in, in those, you see how many downloads and on what channels you have them. Yeah. But this is only your privileged knowledge. So if you don't want to tell anybody about it, you don't. And really, uh, what we get in terms of measurement from Apple, Spotify or anything, it's, it's co completely out of the blue. There's no standard. It's not like in the United States where you have the International Board of Advertising or anything where it's objective measurement. There is no such a thing. And Apple or Spotify or Deezer, they just put out what they feel like. It's, there's no validation to it whatsoever. So we're really behind there. Now, let me get a bit of clarification on that. Downloads, is that the same thing as people who's, who've listened to your episode? Well, it, it, it kind of depends. I mean, usually, you know, if you get a push message and you start it, then it starts being counted as that you've downloaded it because it doesn't, it's not like streaming where you will have bits and pieces so where you can even see how much of a video you are actually, or the, your viewers have actually consumed, you know, either you start the podcast or you don't. Once right. you have it, you know, once you listen to it, that's, that's it. You're caught. <laughs> Our current measurements or monitoring platform for platforms for podcasts, for instance, do not report completed versus incomplete listens, right? Not Which really. is something that that we would see, for instance, for, for video, particularly a yes. video is probably um, shared. Monique, I've interrupted you, apologies. Um, I was just going to say, I'm a, I'm a bit of a stats fan and I love looking at my Vimeo, uh, Vimeo and YouTube and, and all of those other, and the background and the open rates and everything. And it is woeful, the stats that are available. We publish via SoundCloud. And as you said, Regina, you only, you get cities, you get countries and you get how many plays and which one's the most popular, but you don't get, you know, did they listen for five minutes? Did they listen for the whole episode? I think there's a lot of opportunity there for just to add to that, there's a difficulty of aggregating. So one of the things that you, you've mentioned Monique earlier is that if you use a podcast patcher, or if you subscribe your podcast to different platforms that are going to distribute, and we should come back to this topic because it's not yeah. logically, we're not developing logically here in our conversation. But if you, if you use a podcast catcher or you, you have your podcast being distributed via multiple platforms, you do not yet have an opportunity of aggregating in a, in an easy manner all these listens and plays and subscriptions um, that that might be happening on on various various mm -hmm. platforms so that's something to to keep an eye on uh, in this sense it is a younger business because of course more established businesses are going to provide you as well with a with a cleaner measurement slate and and opportunity whereas right now it's still there where you need to be very very creative and very considerate in the sense of uh, what goes into the measurement of good podcast and that goes back to you as a communicator you know what is it that you really want to be on these listens how would you consider a good engagement lillian has a question for us and that is what kind of topics for podcasts are being listened to the most and uh, are there any preferences for external podcasts 
actually people listen to anything that's interesting really and uh, that may sound trivial but it's not because to make something that's interesting is very very difficult and this is actually where many people fail because they make it dead boring whatever it is you know you can do any type of i mean there's one popular podcast uh, at least to apple uh, ratings which as i just explained are not very reliable <laughs> but it's 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 just something on on funerals it's uh just something on yeah how how to get yourself underground you know and so how could this possibly be interesting but it's very entertaining it has interesting information about culture and psychology and death and how do we deal uh it's actually called Gestatten Hauka. You know, she's a lady Gestatter, under undertaker by the name of Hauka. And so she does that. And it's it's very popular. Or some uh, other popular things are like financing for women or whatever. But the key is it has to be authentic. It has to be, you always have to ask yourself, is it interesting to my intended target group? You know, if it's an internal podcast, is it really interesting to my people internally or am i going to bore them stiff with some messages from from the from the leadership somewhere that's really the key and uh you have to do it funnily and entertainingly and that will probably get us to later points where we have to talk about whether it makes sense to do it yourself or get somebody else to do it <laughs> right indeed so um lillian on on that question i mean there there are some charts of popular podcasts, but by popular, we usually go into the same discussion as you would see with um, with more established social media platforms right now. You know what is influence influential mm -hmm. and what is seen, and that usually looks at the numbers of listens. And there's a great difference, though, if you think of um, Chris Anderson and and his theory of the long tail. Sometimes, you know, they're two almost they're not parallel, but they're different very very different uh, the type of product and and podcasts come into this category as well that would address the masses or that would address a niche and the engagement with something that is geared to the masses right so it's kind of like pop music versus something that is very very niche you know let's play I don't know world of tanks or world of warships I don't, it's a, in, in terms of podcasts that means that the expectation is is slightly different um there are topics that are very very interesting so i uh, while monique and and regina were were talking i've looked for instance at charcevo uh, and it has a top podcast and what's interesting is that we have crime and true crime coming mm. up in you know just, if you're watching crime series then True crime seems to be very, very interesting as well yes. to listen it's to. One of the key um, issues. Mm -hmm. There's also morbid, again, true crime, forgotten uh, women of Juarez. And then uh, you have topics that are affiliated maybe with, with newspapers, uh, such as the Daily from the New York mm -hmm. Times. Mm -hmm. There's free economics radio, which is related to the very popular book. So it just very much depends on where you would want to play with. And so how do you consider success? Success for you is to be seen there with everybody else in the big crowded mm. marketplace or the success is within uh, your organization. So can now that we're I, there. Anna, can I take another add, add on that? I would, I would actually flip the question and say, why do you want to do podcasting or why do you want to consider this for your PR suite of channels? Because as Anna said, there are so there are already so many podcasts out there and it's about 
being very clear on what, who or who your audience is, what they're interested in, so the entertainment factor. They don't have to listen to it, which is another fascinating thing, even with internal comms. It's put out there. It's completely voluntary. And, and then there's also, once you have your audience, is really narrowing down your niche and being clear on, again, what you want to achieve with it. What is your niche? What are your topics? How can you be the best in this niche? And not necessarily looking at what, what's the most popular because the environment's just, it's, it's busy out there and you probably don't want to be the best in crime podcasts. You want to be conveying your message to your target audience exactly how you want it to be and have them engaged, have them love it, have them hanging out and waiting for your next episode contacting you, emailing you, suggesting what to put on there, that that's what you're looking for. Well, actually, if I may add one more interesting stat to that, I have a corporate client who has a CEO podcast and actually, uh, you know, there's internal measurements, of course, how many, the reach there is three quarters of the global staff. So that's really tens and thousands of people, right? Which is way more than they've ever had with any type of other internal comms, which normally had a reach of about five to eight percent, they told me. So this is a astounding success for them. And actually, it helps this particular CEO who is in competition with other uh, heads of countries or regions for, you know, the top dog's job in that corporation. He is using this and it's working effectively for him to position himself also within his peer group. So he becomes more known because they put it inside and outside as well. He becomes known in his own industry amongst his peers. He becomes a contender for the top job, you know, that he is trying to get to at some point. And in, in comparison, it's dirt cheap. You know, it's nowhere near the cost of a magazine or any type of regular publication or videos or anything like that. So maybe the gentleman should pay you out of his own budget, considering that you're making him so popular for the next job. Yes, I mean, it, it really, but this is really where CEO positioning is really, really effective. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I've already helped people attain the next position because they are all of a sudden known. You know, I mean, it, it's not the only thing, but it's one thing. And actually the other thing is, or that's important because by using such a new medium as a podcast, you are at the same time, if you don't do it like the old fashioned way, boring, boring stuff on management, if you do it in a nice and appealing way, you can actually position yourself also as forward thinking, uh, curious, you know, ready to tackle new issues, uh, ready for transformation, for change, VUCA world, all of that, you know, what's required to be a, a leading person right now. The, the thing we've actually forgotten here is that it's online with radio. It's actually quite instantaneous. I mean, written is probably more instantaneous, but you can turn around pretty quickly. And if something is hitting the fan or you need to get a message out quickly it's it's a, a matter of a couple of hours turnaround for professional professional quality if you've got the setup already there and it's out it's it's with everybody at the same time so let's uh, talk a little bit specifics i mean we definitely have plenty of stuff to talk about but there are two questions waiting for for us Nina uh, wants to know how often, in your view, should a company do an external podcast? 
what's a good regular base? The second question that she has is how much manpower is there needed to produce uh, a podcast? Cornelia, we'll come back to your question in a moment and to your comment about the podcast that you're planning. But let's focus for a moment, uh, Regina Monique, on how often should, in your view, a company do an external podcast? And from your experience, how many people do you need and how many stars and planets do you need to line up to, to make it happen? From my side, because I'm a volunteer podcaster, so to speak, for the IABC Amina region, I would love to podcast maybe every three weeks, at least once a month, maybe every two weeks, but I can't because of the time that that does take. And it is a manpower is, is me. At the moment, I set up interviews, I interview, I edit and I post and that's all done on a volunteer on top of my full-time job as a internal communications expert at an agency. So it, it doesn't, once you've got the rhythm and the systems in place, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's about knowing what you're doing. If you've got a communications background, having a good nose for, okay, that's going to be a great um, person to interview. I compare them with that person. Okay, these are the key questions I need to, to ask. And I guess that comes with the experience and, and, and time. So yeah, if you've got the systems in place and you know what you're doing, it's not too much manpower. And if I can do it as a volunteer once a month, then I think your your team definitely can we go back just a little bit to the other question that we were saying it tr mm -hmm. truly depends on what you want to achieve with this mm -hmm. um, if it's obviously also a matter of, of resources and the sort of type of business of organization that you're in uh, Monique does this voluntarily it's part of an association for the association making time once a month to listen to another uh, another hour of content on top and on top of everything else it's probably something that uh, members of the IABC that are very very committed and I can vouch for that will will find the time so that means that for for Monique she needs to probably put aside about three hours to four in the month to make that that happen right so there's the thinking there's the actual recording there's the polishing of the file and the distribution of that, which all of it takes uh, takes time. I'm a I'm a slow editor though. Very slow. So we let let's get to that. Let me park it down the the editing bit because I want us to talk about platforms as well. But Regina, okay. I'm sure you have different examples though of how often mm -hmm. people yeah. post. Um, not necessarily that that's the appropriate uh, mm -hmm. amount. No, but there's there's a appropriate amount. There is okay. actually a proper amount. So, uh, you know, of course, it depends. But for like a, for, for external podcast, a corporate podcast that is not news related, which then would be a daily or weekly, but a non-news information podcast, really, it should be at least once a, mo uh, once a month, you know, because if it's a bigger space, people start forgetting about it. So that's not a good idea. Once a month is usually something that people can handle in terms of manpower, live interview partners, planning and organizing. If you have more to say, which is also important, then do it bi-weekly, which is also a good rhythm, you know, because then it's not as stressful as every week, but it's quite regular. So people get a sense of, oh, there's something that I should be waiting for every week. And then if you really have a lot to say and a lot of staff, 
do it weekly, but that requires a lot of organizational skill. And that leads me to the other thing where, where I would like to add really, uh, or add a different perspective is, um, you know, if you do it well, if you prepare it, if you research it, if you line up your guests, if you do the interview, if you do the technical checks with them, you know, really, even if you're a very fast worker, and if you do it, did it all by yourself, and if you have absolutely zero loops that you have to jump through, getting approval from whoever for this, put it past marketing, leadership, whoever, just the sheer minimum of work really is two days. You know, so that's, I really would say that. And then it with, depends with on all being, the work involved. Yes, you know, just because you have to check out what you want to talk about, you have to line people up, you have to prepare them, you have to brief them, you have to talk about what you want to do, then you have to do a technical test with them, which takes oftentimes much longer than you would think because they don't have Chrome installed, they don't, whatever, you know, there's, it's amazing also <laughs> how many people in the tech industry have absolutely no clue on how to operate these systems, you know, so <laughs> it can take a very, very long time and you don't want to deal with shitty sound or you have to do it again because the sound is in fact shitty. Then you have the internet, which is moody, you know, and, and, and whatever, and it doesn't want to work today. So you have to reschedule. A lot of things come into it. So let's let's make it a bit clear because we we're meeting online and of course after a year and a half in the pandemic and being in, in home office, we're often thinking of doing this remotely, right? So you've mentioned yes. a, a couple of platforms, SoundCloud, for instance, if you uh, are not used to it, it's it's a good hosting platform. Mm -hmm. um, both Regina and Monique have recommended it. You do have platforms that would allow you to record audio. And you can, it's, it's probably better to use those platforms that are focused on audio only rather than your Microsoft Teams or your Zoom. Yeah. The reason being that your sound quality is going to be better. So they do aim for a different sound quality. We've worked on our end, both with recording when everything mm -hmm. failed, with the video systems that we had, and they do tend to compress the sound. So in the end, you're going to end up with a much quieter level that you cannot really do much with in, in post-production. Are there any platforms, now that we speak about platforms for recording, uh, that you would recommend? I, I need to jump in and confess that my husband has a home studio. So he's, he's, he's got the audio happening. He's got the good ears and I have been learning from him. I'm very particular with my sound as well. There are some great podcasts. Like I love Seth Godin's podcast. Whether or not you like his politics, Sam Harris always put together. A, it's just sounds great. And that only that comes from having a professional microphone. It comes from local recording. So, yes, I do. I do actually use Teams, but Teams is just a backup. I always get my guests to record locally, and I mix my locally recorded and all the three tracks together. I hate Zencaster. I just have to say that I've been bitten so many times. I know it's got additional features where you can see the speaker, but I've I've had bugs in there where I've gone to record and it wouldn't actually let me press the button and I was just so thankful that I had the backup. Always have a backup. I've tried a couple of other platforms but haven't found anything that I was happy with yet. Again, as I said, I always do local recordings. 
handing over to you, Rudy. I'll I'll, int- I'll uh, stop you a little here because you you use very specialist vocabulary. So for those mm-hmm. who haven't used uh, podcasting before, a local recording. I record directly into a computer. I have a second computer so that there's no chance of overheating or explosion. We talked about my computer wanting to die soon, which is why Monique so graciously bring this back up. (laughs) So I, and I always have a, I use a Rode microphone. Rode's an Australian brand actually, dare I say. NT2, NT2A and it's plugged into a sound card. So it's it's a special sound device that plugs into the computer that gives better quality and I always use a pop filter so a it's almost like think of it like stockings on a coat hanger would do the same job but it stops that kind of sound when you speak pressing against the microphone so you don't get so many changes in in the audio or unexpected noises in the audio and and that helps you get the best quality so So let's let's clarify so what you need to start with podcasting is ideally a platform or a device that you would save your audio file on now the platforms uh, include a variety of them Zencaster is one of them Um, you can use the audio files that you will record normally via uh, your voice memos on on your computer you could use uh, Microsoft Teams, you could use Zoom, but as, as we've spoken about yeah, that before, the really sound not is, rather, is rather poor. You also need a good microphone and ideally a good headset so that you can hear things mm-hmm. back. Now, there are various ways to do that. So you can buy bespoke equipment. Um, mm-hmm. Regina, I think uh, you, at, at some point when we spoke about this, there was a list that you, you gave me. Mm-hmm. So you can buy recorders, for instance, and some of them would have two microphones, some of them would, would have one microphone. Mm-hmm. You can, or you can just buy a better microphone. And again, it depends a little bit on both your budget and your comfort, because there are clip-on, these small microphones in case you need to move, mm-hmm. or you have sort of uh, microphones, USB or Bluetooth microphones that will be in front of you, and some of them come with these extra extra filters. Now, I have to say, Monique, what we do with women in PR is incredibly easy. We do use Zencaster, and thank God it happened only once or twice that fell on the floor and had no connection whatsoever, so we just rescheduled. And we do use the Apple headset. One of the things that I've learned is to speak into an armchair. It's ridiculously hilarious how it looks at home. Uh, so computer would go sort of in the armchair. So I don't have the studio that Monique has, right? So then you focus on something that would muffle the sound into a, ideally a full, a full closed room, right? As busy <laughs> as possible so that the sound comes back and then the, uh, the armchair would come back. And the microphone just needs to be just a little bit lower than the chin, not touching the chin. No jewelry, please. Uh, if you're wearing jewelry, no rings, anything that can clickety-clack is going to be horrendous for whoever, either for you, if you want to go the route of editing yourself or for whoever is going to help you with that. So microphone, external source, ideally. So Monique does it a la carte in the sense that both her guests and herself, they have the backup on, on their phones in, in this case, and she has the recording of the entire file on her computer and she edits these together 
at the easiest, at the low, low version, then you have the platform and the recording and you save that. Is there any other platform, Regina, except for Zencaster that you can think of? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, actually, you kind of need to keep an eye open because things develop all the time. So I'm using Zencaster and I'm using something called Clean Feet. I'm using, I have both of them just in case one of them doesn't work on any given day, which is not entirely impossible. So that's the, the platform to record on. And um, Clean Feed is actually a little more specific in the options that you have. So I, I quite like it because you can adjust levels and this and that and other. So, but, you know, recording is one. And then, you know, also with Rode, I mean, Rode is a great manufacturer. And they've got a great USB. If anyone's looking for like 100 euros or less, their USB podcast mic is fabulous. Yes. So, but they also have basically mini studios at this point, you know, where you can buy for a few hundred dollars uh, or euros, whatever, a little mixing board even where you have can plug different things in, including your mobile phone. So you can get people from calling in on the mobile right into the road podcaster. That's another way to record. I have to emphasize again, you know, the best microphone doesn't help if you sit in a badly insulated room. That means if there's a lot of concrete, glass windows, anything that makes it echoey, then the best microphone will not help you. So actually, it's best to have a lot of furniture in there or pillows or do it under your bed or something. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, the next thing is that you have to distribute it somewhere. And I know Monique has mentioned that she uses SoundCloud. You can individually upload on all these different platforms or you can use a provider such as PodyG, which does it automatically and spreads it all around. So you don't have to spend your days trying to upload it in 10 different platforms where people can find it from Spotify to Audible to whatever. So uh, that would be then the last step. But let, let's go back a little bit because we're talking about the specifics and in a sense, technology and platforms can be can be bought. One of the other things that maybe we can find out are experts such as yourselves that can help out with the post-production elements of it. But one of the things that is crucial to the survival of a podcast is not the technology, but rather what the podcast is about and whether it manages to interest the people that it wants to to reach. So how do we find an audience? Because podcasting, although it's an increasing environment, is still incredibly busy. So we speak about the attention economy. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants our attention mm -hmm. from our washing machine that beeps, you know, when it's ready, all the way to us now wanting to, to use every moment that we have with, with podcasting. And it's an uphill battle, considering that we're not all of us, particularly in this year, we haven't been commuting to work. All that time that we might have used for podcasts to commute, it's gone maybe to other, other tasks. So what would be a good topic? How do we find a good topic? And then what is a good format? We've spoken very much about interviews. Interviews are easy, right? You just need to think of the fit between the topic and you need to find someone who's interesting. And then maybe Monique, you and I do it easy, but there must be certainly other formats out there that would be probably of interest to different audiences and different groups. So what are your thoughts? How do we find a good topic? How do we avoid being boring? 
I always keep an eye on what people, other people are talking about and I try and, because my target audience are other communicators, so that just what I see on LinkedIn, what I hear from clients, um, what I see on the ground. The, the one that I was up the other night editing was on the sense of belonging and it's, it's about finding your subject matter expert. I always try and get someone from the region because my target audience communicators in the Amina region. So I try and showcase them. And my favorite format is actually having two, like we are here today, two guests, because I find they don't always agree. I find they bounce off each other. And I really like that dynamic. I think it brings another level to the conversation. Well, I think really you, you pri primarily you have to ask yourself, is it relevant? Is my topic relevant to anybody else but me or my CEO? Also very critical question. If it's only interesting to your CEO, it's probably not going to be a good podcast. So ask yourself... Um. <laughs> yes, well, it's, but it's the truth, you know, if they're dead boring and just want to talk about their, their regular PR kit, then, it, you know, I say it bluntly, it's a waste of time and money because no one is going to want to listen to it because it's boring. So if you have a scissors in your head and, and you censor yourself right off the start because now we can't say that, now we can't touch that, now we won't want to talk about that, then it's probably difficult, you know, because it's an authentic medium. So people want to hear authentic opinions and authentic voices. And uh, for example, I just saw, you know, there's someone there from the IFO Institute. There should be about a hundred zillion thousand interesting topics that Clemens Fuss could talk about because anybody is interested in issues that are of importance uh, in terms of money, economics, mm -hmm. of course. If you, I don't know what other areas you come from, but normally you can always find something that's relevant to a specific target group and just need to identify who it is. And, and, and then it's, uh, you know, like the old stories, you know, it's content, 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 it's storytelling. And that's what you have to do, you know? And then of course, for this particular audio medium, it needs to be nice and tight. It cannot be all over the place, you know, which is really different from print or as I've observed it because people, And that's maybe another question, you know, should you get people who know how to do it because they have experience in broadcast content, radio, TV, whatever, where you have to tell a story interestingly in a given amount of time and you cannot rearrange everything afterwards because that's not what a normal conversation would be like. So you really have to think about what's the story I want to tell. And then also comes in the question of time. I know there are interesting podcasts that are two or two, four hours long. Then you have to ask yourself, is that my target group? <laughs> Do they have? No, that's, that's true. You're right. There's, yeah. there's one that I know of in Bulgaria and they, uh, but it, it starts as a tech podcast and they speak in the podcast, everything from local trends to great places to eat. And, you know, then they're done when they're done. And even though they're highly unorthodox in terms of both the length of time that they require. Mm -hmm. And the topics that they cover, the, the breadth of topics that they cover, they're still among the, the, the most listened podcasts in, in the country. Yeah, it depends. Sometimes they are, you know, some, somebody who came in early and established themselves uh, as a front runner, they have a big audience, you know, and which, which also tells you another thing. Podcasting is not a short term medium, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be prepared to be patient, to go at least for six months, if not a year, if not longer, and you will slowly build up 
your listeners. You have to do a lot of advertising. You have to do a lot of, you know, use all your other channels to talk about it, mention it, get likes and, sh and shares and whatnot all. Because if you don't promote it, it's just going to hover there in a niche. Nobody's going to find it because that is just, that's just what happens. It's, you have to push it and you have to talk about it in your other channels and uh, get it out there and be patient. And I think if you're in the luxury of being able to choose your guest, then obviously who your guest guest is and their reach also help with that question of promotion. I find it interesting, um, speaking of podcasts, head of Microsoft, the head of comms of Microsoft, Frank Shaw, Frank's X Shaw, started to have his own podcast. Mm. And um, to my knowledge, he was quite adamant to embrace this until recently, during the pandemic, when he started uh, conversing with a variety of, of people on behalf of Microsoft. And going back to what we talked about, what makes a good podcast, whether you had the head of Microsoft or the communications uh, you know, head of Microsoft globally, it's a very different audience. One would sort of mm -hmm. appeal to the world, to the different stakeholders. But Frank's show podcast within a communicator's world, it's quite interesting because of that bridging, right, between the insides of how it works, the sort of problems that a communicator has within a technology company, as well as, you know, what he understands or the people with whom he speaks to and reaches out to, to, to discuss these, these issues. Good formats are not necessarily related to interviews, but one of the things I think that we need to emphasize here is that if you do go on the route of an interview, you will have, in a very similar way as you do have with research, you will have open-ended conversations and you might have scripted conversations. When you do engage with your audiences and also the people who you're talking with, it is your duty as a communicator to find that balance. What is what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, both for the listeners, so the format that you're embracing, and the people who are listening to. Unlike pictures, it is incredibly time consuming and frustrating for everybody involved to play around with moving bits of audio as if you would move bits of text when you're writing a story. So Regina, you would probably want to add something in that direction. <laughs> No, it's just, just that's why it's so important to structure your conversation ahead of time and not in the middle of it or after it. No, you need structure. I mean, otherwise you're just driving everybody crazy. The editing is just such a pain if you have to take that, if you have to redo sections as well and move it around. It's just, and, and we, I guess we haven't really spoken much about the editing side of things, but that's also super interesting and you can learn a lot there from the ums and ahs and the cutting out and snipping of, of people repeating themselves to shape the story. Would that be really relevant? I wonder, I listen to, I personally listen to a lot of American podcasts, but they're from NPR, which is a journalistic product, mm -hmm. This American Life, and there are multiple stories, right? There are episodes within mm -hmm. an episode that are thematically linked. Mm -hmm. And I also listen with, with great joy and interest to Shankar Vedantam, uh, to yes. Hidden Brain. Yeah, that's which a great is, one. It's super. And it's, it's a great example for something that normally probably none of us would listen to. It's just such a great podcast with great story ideas, great people, great topics, great angles. That way, you, normally, I, I'm, you know, I'm an economics person. I wouldn't go for a psychology podcast, but it's fantastic. 
Well, what's, what's interesting there, so in terms of format, so the, at the easiest format, you can have a, an audio, so a jingle, a sort of audio identity for your podcast that should ideally be professionally produced. If you, if you can do that, which, which will prepare your listener to, to enter into your room, uh, if you want to. And then it's the easy, so the listening, the conversation, which you can do it like we do that's it take it or leave it or it can be more sophisticated like uh, monique and and uh, regina do it but then there are other options and that is inserting little bits of, of stories or little mm -hmm. anecdotes that would be borrowed um from other either other episodes other conversations or just introducing different voices and what's really really interesting from uh this american life and the same with with shankar vedantam is that although with Hidden Brain, he usually speaks with one researcher at the time mm -hmm. about their research and what they found out in the context of that. The introduction of the problem and the topic is done usually with a different voice. And usually mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a small story that is being said by somebody else. So in, a, in an organizational context, if it's internal audiences or if it's external audiences, one of the lessons here is that you shouldn't get necessarily stuck with just one person and one voice. To mix it up and try different things. I agree with you, Anna. I really like, as I mentioned, Seth Godden. He does just a monologue. And another great story one is The Moth. And they have a different person each time. And it's hugely produced and very scripted. These, these people tell their story. They have a coach to help them and it's recorded live with an audience. And then you get a different story from a different person in this episode. So there are so many different formats. And I think, again, it's playing with it and finding out what works for your audience. So some thinking, I mean, how do we prepare? So we have, for instance, Cornelia here in, in, in the chat. She says that they, she's working with an economic think tank and hopes to reach out to younger target groups in new usage contexts. So she's considering way to work with content that would be easier to consume than white paper and press releases. Yes. Press releases, who reads them anymore? I just wonder. But white papers are very interesting. So if we, if we were to consider that, what would be your advice to, to Cornelia? What should she consider in, in prepping this? Well, it's basically just, you know, look at what the age group you want to talk to and what they are interested uh, in, the which, which specific topics. You know, if you're an economics think tank, I mean, there are, again, for young people, there are a zillion issues that are should be of interest, economic uh, economically speaking, and you just have it in a more easygoing conversational style, obviously. You know, you have a, uh, yes, you can say air, 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 in there every once in a while you can be more yeah just conversational and not make it so stiff that would be basically uh the key thing <laughs> lights falling again no but i i mean this should be a great possibility to to reach out to people like that and really push it in, in on the social media that they listen to even on instagram you know and TikTok to say hey we're going to talk about this today you know and how it actually what it has to do with you and your life you know, house buying interests or whatever. And if you just spend a little time before doing a quick focus group with a group of your target audience, then you'll very quickly find out what podcasts they do like and you can ask them why and you can shape something that's going to start in a good place and tweak it from there based on feedback that you're getting. I was just going to say then, obviously, once you've got the audio, you can also add visuals to it and use it in different contexts as well. It doesn't just have to sit as a podcast. You can take 
a snippet and put it to a TikTok and uh, chuck it on LinkedIn or, or whatever other channels you wish. So just because it's a podcast doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of content there at your fingertips that you can play with and add animations or images or add at the bottom of an article as an audio file. So let's try to sum it up a little bit. The important element of success for a good podcast is the homework that you do before in, in terms of trying to think of what is it that you offer that is unique and of interest equally as all that thinking and reflection that goes into how are you going to break the clutter that you might perceive around you. So Cornelia, I'm sorry that we pick on your example, but the truth is if you do think about that, you need to look again, you have a, an audience in mind, you know what you can offer. So there's there truly a question about how do we, how do you reach them in, in a way that makes sense. There are options out there for you. This is what both Monique and, and Regina have shown from the less complicated to the more complex that can be undertaken either by an individual with, with time and resilience, <laughs> or <laughs> I think Monique qualifies as the, the most patient and, and, uh, and resilient out of us all. Is, is this where I add, I've got two boys as well, two young boys. <laughs> I don't know. Time and, and she has a life. <laughs> absolutely. So she has, you know, no wonder she has a soundproof room in the house then. Um, <laughs> but it's it's time and, and resources, collaborations. And one of the things for, for corporate comms is to think of what is it that you bring uniquely and not necessarily of who tells you that this is necessary. So maybe um, because it is five o'clock and we need to say fairly quickly goodbye. Monique, Regina, thank you so very much for your time. Mm -hmm. Do let us, you can reach both of them on LinkedIn if you do have questions. One of the other things I would very rebelliously leave here with you is the consideration that maybe you don't have to do your own podcast after all, if you think this is an uphill battle, yet consider sponsoring others. Yes. So yet yes. consider partnering with those who already do this or consider supporting podcasts mm -hmm. that already exist where you could join and support their efforts. And so Cornelia, maybe, you know, it's time for TikTok or finding a podcast like Freakonomics to speak with uh, your audience. Are there any other things, Monique and Regina, that you'd like to say before we say our goodbye and thank yous? Just a huge thank you. It was lovely. Really enjoyed it. Yes, thank you very much and good luck to you. And uh, as Anna said, you know, if there are any questions, just get in touch and we'll try to help out with whatever is needed. We've all been on the journey. And all those of you who've just listened to us this afternoon, thank you so, so very much. Do keep in touch.